Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 137 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 8th of February 2015, entitled The Genesis Account Part 14, The Acceptance of Offerings Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you this morning to stand with us to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word. Again, beginning in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And to thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. The Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Father, we do thank you so much again this morning. Lord, first of all, simply for being able to be here in your house with each and every one that is gathered here this day. Father, we thank you for this day that has been set aside as your day. And Father, we thank you that as we come together here that Lord, though that our failings be many, we realize that, Lord, as we come together, that it's only in the Lord Jesus Christ that we can offer anything to you. Lord, our worship today we offer to you because, Lord, you truly are worthy. Lord, thank you for your word that's before us that has been preserved for us and your spirit that lives within that gives us the understanding that we need. And Father, we know it's by the power of your spirit the working of your word this morning, that if any heart is to be touched, to be changed, Lord, it's you that's going to do it today. 
Father, we pray that you would use your very unworthy servant. We pray that you might speak the words that would be received and accepted and responded to by each and every one of us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, as we continue this morning, of course, this is the 14th sermon in our series on the Genesis account, which is a part of the overall series on contending for the faith and the fundamentals of that faith that we are to contend for, that the Bible tells us to contend for. And of course, we're saying that the Genesis account is vital and fundamental to a clear understanding of many other things that we come to in Scripture, that the foundations are laid right here in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis. If you haven't been here as we have gone through the first three chapters leading us up to the fourth chapter, we talked and looked at the foundations that were laid here for the authority of God's Word, for the assertion of God's existence, for the absoluteness of God's creation, for the advancement of the human race, the accountability of mankind, the administration of home life. And of course, in chapter 3, we looked at the acuteness of man's fall. We looked at the abolishment of Satan. We looked at the atonement for sin. And as we moved from those areas, we moved into Genesis chapter 4. And last Sunday, we began talking about the acceptance of offerings to God. The acceptance of offerings to God. Now, I asked you a couple of questions as we began and said that we hoped that we would answer these as we went through these scriptures you know, where the practice of giving originated from. And, of course, we have seen that it originates with God himself. We ask ourselves, you know, why do we receive offerings during our times of worship? Why do we still practice that even when some churches have put it aside? We said, why? Is that preacher, hopefully not too many times, but why does he over the years keep talking about giving and that he actually believes what the Bible says about it being more blessed to give than to receive and that maybe by the end of it you might come to maybe think that the preacher's not completely, totally off his rocker when he tells you that if you can grasp and learn God's principles on this matter, that it will change your life. It will change your life. And of course, we've looked at some of those things already as we began to look last week. Of course, giving sometimes is a hard thing for people to think about. People do it for all kinds of reasons. People are quick sometimes to judge whether somebody else is doing as much as they are or whether that 
they're doing what I guess is expected of them. I remember reading about the story of, I guess, one of the great preachers of bygone years, Charles Haddon Spurgeon and his wife. And ironically, the story was really about how that Mr. and Mrs. Spurgeon were continually criticized for a practice that they had. They apparently had chickens, hens, which of course laid eggs. And most of the friends of the Spurgeons and even family, if they came around, they could buy those eggs from the Spurgeons. Now, the Spurgeons made it known that they were welcome to as many of those eggs as they wanted to if they paid for them. And, of course, mumblings began. They were criticized because, well, you know, why don't they just give them away? Why do they have to charge people for them, you know? They never, ever, ever answered those criticisms. And it wasn't until after Mrs. Spurgeon's death that they come to find out (laughs) that all the monies that came from those eggs that they were selling, it was all supporting two widows (laughs) that had nothing whatsoever coming in. But you know what the Bible talks about giving when it talks about not letting the left hand know what the right hand is doing many times. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 3, I'm sure is a familiar verse to many of you. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. You see, it was more important to them in their giving, not that man knew that they were giving, (laughs) not that they were okay in man's eyes, but that God knew what they were doing. And that was all that really mattered. Many times we can get caught up in these traps if we're not careful of being more concerned. Now, we've already looked last week in verses 1 and 2 and verses 3 and 4. and We looked first of all at just the act of giving itself. And we talked about this act of giving and where it came from, and how that the act of giving was an act of worship in showing someone's worth to you. If you didn't get that, then the sermon will be up online shortly, or I'll be glad to give you the printed part. But we move from that act of giving and what it really means to give to the acceptance of God in verses 3 to 5, where it said there that, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. But then it said that the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. So we ask ourselves, both of these men came before God with an offering, but one was acceptable and one was not. So we ask ourselves, why? Why did God accept one's offerings and not the other? And we looked at a couple of very possible reasons that are often used here. One is that it was the wrong kind of offering. We looked at some things that we know, that we know that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. We know that Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. They were totally different kinds of offerings. We know the precedent that is set in Scripture. We looked at some of those passages that if this was a sin offering, then it did require that it be 
like off a gift from the flock and not from the fruit of the ground. But of course, we said what we don't know is that we don't know what instructions had been given to Cain and Abel at this point because the Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know what kind of offering that was required by God. We don't even know. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically that they were required to bring an offering. We know that it opens with this act of worship. We have looked at that. But was it something that was voluntary out of their own thankfulness or was it something that was required of them? We don't know. So we need to be very careful of not reading into what is it there. What we do know about that, though, is that there were two different types of offerings, and if it was actually a blood sacrifice, a sin offering, a meat offering that was required, then yes, that could have been a very good reason why God didn't accept it, possibly. We said also that maybe it was because it was inferior quality. We hear this many times because the Bible clearly tells us that Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. He brought of that and the fat thereof. In other words, what the Bible tells us here specifically is that Abel brought the very best of the best. The gift that he brought to God was the very best that he had. So sometimes we can jump and say, well, that's why God accepted it and not Cain's. Well, always, from the time that God begins to spell this out under the law and right the way through Scripture, God always requires the first fruits. God always requires the best, not the leftovers. I read a poem that I jotted down here somewhere. And that poem says this. Matter of fact, the author is unknown. Don't even know who to give credit to. It says, leftovers are such humble things. We would not serve to a guest. And yet we serve them to our Lord who deserves the very best. We give to him leftover time, stray minutes here and there, leftover cash we give to him, such few coins as we can spare. We give our youth unto the world the hatred, lust, and strife. Then in declining years we give to him the remnant of our life. And I'm afraid so many times, not even because it is a conscious decision, not because if we really thought about it that we would even say, yes, that's what I want to do, but so many times the practice in our lives is God getting the leftovers whether it be our time or our cash or our possession or whatever that we have, he gets the leftovers. Was that the reason that this offering was not acceptable? Well, I can't tell you that for sure. You see, I do know that Abel's was accepted, and it was of the first fruits. It was the first of his flock and of the fat thereof. But the Bible doesn't tell us about Cain's. Now, it seems like that, well, maybe, maybe God was showing us something if he went to the trouble to spell out to us that Abel brought the best, but he doesn't really tell us what the quality of Cain's was. Whether it was the best or the worst, we don't know. But we know this, that there is a principle laid down that God deserves the very best. So as we began to read on, we said, well, we do know 
that God had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. So preacher, how do we know? Well, I don't know all the reasons because God doesn't tell us, but God does tell us a few things. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, Hebrews 11, 4, he tells us something specifically about this offering here in Genesis chapter 4. He says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which, by that offering, he obtained witness that he was righteous, an offering that was given in faith brought him righteousness. God testifying of his gifts and by it, he, Abel, being dead, yet speaketh. Abel's offering. We do know that one certain reason that it was acceptable because God himself tells us is that it was offered by faith. Two verses later here in Hebrews chapter 4, two verses later the Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. Abel's offering was given by faith. Without faith there's no way of pleasing God. And of course Romans 10 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so I don't have to suppose on this matter. God tells us specifically, whatever God's prior instructions had been to these two brothers, we don't know what they were, but we do know this. We know that Abel acted in faith. We know that he obeyed God. We know that he obeyed what God had said by his word. Because the Bible does Tell us specifically that. Whereas Cain, if he did not act in faith, then it means that he acted in unbelief. It means that he was disobedient to God's word. By faith, Abel's offering was a more excellent sacrifice to God. We aren't told precisely all the reasons why. But we know one thing for certain, and that part of it is related to his faith in obedience to God's requirements of what God wanted. It wasn't something that he was doing on his own, no matter how sincere that he might have been. He was acting by faith. You see, the emphasis of this verse is that he's doing it by faith. The emphasis of this whole chapter where it's going to town is this matter of those that did things by faith. We find that it was through him giving his offering by faith. Through that, he says, God declared him righteous. God declared this gift to be right rather than Cain. He was acting in unbelief. You see, there is no other way to be righteous before God except by faith. We don't have any righteousness within ourselves, no matter what we do. I've tried to make this very clear in the beginning. You see, I'm not here today to tell you this is going to make you a more spiritual or a more inferior Christian. I'm not the judge. I don't even know all the reasons why Cain and Abel's offerings were accepted and rejected. I'm telling you without any question whatsoever that if you act by faith according to what God says, 
that you're going to be blessed. It's not for me to make one more spiritual in my judgment than another because they are performing these acts. Abel's offering, which was given by faith, testified of something that Cain's did not when it was given in unbelief. Abel's offering, even though his brother ended up slaying him, ended up killing him, even though his life was lost immediately a short time following the giving of this offering, the Bible says it continues to speak loudly of his faith. Even today as we read about it in God's word, down here it may have looked like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That wasn't exactly the best blessing to get. He takes the better offering, and yet, bang, his life's gone. He's wiped out. He's out of here. But yet, <laughs> Cain, though he lived on physically, the Bible says it's Abel's that continues to speak loudly. Though he be dead, though his life is not existent, that which he did for God by faith, continues to be a testimony. It continues to be a witness. The entire emphasis of this verse in Hebrews 4 is that Abel's sacrifice was more excellent. It was acceptable by God because he acted in faith. He acted according to what God said, and he believed it, and he acted upon it. One other passage that speaks of this that tells us something very clearly, and that's in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 says this. It says, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why? Why did Cain slay his brother? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. You see, the Bible says, okay, what brought this about? The Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews when writing about the offerings of Cain and Abel, he's emphasizing the importance of faith. We find that here John's emphasis is not on that of faith, but on that of love. And if we took and if we read that whole passage there in 1 John, we'd find that, again, just as the passage in Hebrews is all dealing with faith, here it's all dealing with love. And this verse even begins, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That's what this message is all about. His emphasis is on the matter of love. The context of these verse is the importance of love, not just to God, but to one another. How important is love in the matter of giving? Well, I'd say it's of utmost importance. Matter of fact, I remember reading somewhere that love was the very thing that giving hinges on. If we really love someone, it's not hard to give to that person. 
It's not hard to give to someone that you genuinely love. And do you know what? The more you love that person, the more exciting it is to be able to give to them. You want to. It's exciting to. It's not a hardship. You're trying to give to someone that you don't really love and sometimes even like. It can get really, really hard real, real quick. It's also one very important way that we can show who comes first in our lives. What is important to us? Well, giving to the Lord is one of the ways that we die to self. <laughs> and we know that that's something that we have to do daily in our Christian life. You see, is it more important for us to show our love to God with what we have or to meet our own selfish desires? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm just asking, what is really more important to us? What do we feel better about? What gets under our skin the most and what do we really feel good about? Taking what we have and doing things that, that I like that makes me feel good, that makes me happier, that makes me more comfortable, or doing for God what will be a blessing to him. Sir Henry Taylor said, he who gives what he would as readily throw away gives without generosity, for the essence of generosity is self-sacrifice. <laughs> you see, what really tells the the value of something to you is when it's worth something to you when you're giving it to another. If you're just giving them something that doesn't really matter to you anyway, then that's not really showing a lot of love. What do we see from these verses here? Well, well he's beginning with this imperative of, of our love one for another. And then the verse goes right to the heart of the matter. Cain may have been going through the actions of worshiping God, but in fact, it's tough. He was of that wicked one. He was right there. He was right there involved in this act of worship. He was doing it all. Why wasn't his offering accepted? Well, God tells us right here that... All those actions he was going through. In fact, he was of the wicked one. You see, he might have been playing the game outwardly, but inwardly, there was somebody else had his heart. <laughs> Cain's action proved who he belonged to. He slew his brother rather than acting in love. The murder of his brother was the ultimate act of hatred. <laughs> You couldn't go any further. Cain's works were evil, the Bible says, in comparison to Abel's being righteous. Now, I don't know everything that was evil about Cain. I don't know what else that he did besides murdering his brother, if that wasn't enough. But we do know. We know that his offering was not acceptable to God because he was evil. He was sinful. 
jealousy and hatred were controlling him rather than the love that he should have had for his brother. The love that he should have had for his God. (laughs) You know, it is possible, very possible, just as Cain did, to give something without loving. But I think it would be near impossible (laughs) to love without giving. (laughs) You can give without loving. You can give. You can go through the actions. But I don't think you can truly love without giving. Giving to the Lord proves our love for him is greater than for the things that we could have. You can twist it any way you want to. You can think like the world. And you know what? Again, I said this, God gave you the ability to choose, to think. I'm not going to love you any less because you disagree with me. But I'm saying look at the foundations that are given to you here. Look at God's principles that are laid for you. The act of giving, the act of giving those offerings to God is an act of worship that shows how much he really means to us. (laughs) what his worth is to us. Remember all those things we went back to, to worship in the Hebrew and, and, and in the Greek and, and the old English word. All of it had, had, had to do with, with bowing down for, paying homage, kissing the hem of the garment, and even when it came to the English word, uh, came from the old word that meant worth-ship. It had to do with paying homage to one that you, that you valued that had worth. You see, an acceptable gift must. we, We can speculate on some of those things and some of the things we know might even apply to us, but what we know for certain is that an acceptable gift must be given by faith and it must be given in love. Offering gifts to God will not, under any circumstances, ensure your relationship with God. But our relationship must be certain for our gifts to be acceptable. Cain was of the wicked one. He wasn't acting in love and faith with God. Our giving to the Lord will prove our love for him and for each other. But it's not buying you favors if that's what you're looking for. Read the story of a man that one time said, oh, if I had some extra money, I'd give it to God. But I've just got enough to support myself and my family and pay my bills and do those things I have to. If, if I just had some extra time, I'd give it to God. But every minute's taken up with my job and my family and my clubs, All those things I have to do every single minute, I just don't have any more time. If I had a talent of some kind, I'd give it to God. I I just don't have that lovely singing voice that somebody else has or the, the ability to get up there and do that or do this or to do that job. If only I had it, I would use it for the Lord. So God looking down, and although that 
You know, God knows everything before it is. God just gave that man the money and the time and the talent. And he gave it all to him. And then he waited. And he waited. And he waited. And as the man just went right on living his life, God continued waiting to one day. God took it all back. And then after a while, the man sighed again. He said, oh, if I only had some of that money back, I'd give it to God. If I just had some of that time, I'd, I'd give it to God. If I could just rediscover that talent, I'd give it to God. God looked down and God said, oh, yeah, I know you would. I know exactly what's important to you. And then the man went on his way. He said, you know, I'm not so sure I believe there's a God up there anymore. <laughs> I'm not so sure he's there taking care of me and meeting my needs. I'm not so sure that he even exists at all. See, so many times God's right there wanting to bless us. God has given us so much. We've seen how all the giving initiated with God. He gave it all. He gave your life to you in the beginning. He gave his life that you might have life. He gave the ultimate in gifts to us. And yet we struggle and we complain and we, we get the hairs up on our back and we get all these bad feelings because we begin to talk about giving to him in true worship. The act of giving, the acceptance of God. You see, I can't tell you all the reasons, but I want to finish with this very, very simple thought this morning. As I read this, you know, I've told you before, and I'm, I'm not proud to have to say to you, I had to learn some of these lessons the hard way. <laughs> you see, I'd read them in God's Word, and I knew them, and I'd heard them preached, and I'd heard them taught, I'd seen them practiced. But as a young Christian, many times God was still getting the leftovers. <laughs> I was just so busy, and I wasn't out there doing bad things, and I wasn't intentionally keeping things from God. It's just my life was really showing what was really important to me. Words can say a lot. <laughs> but you've heard it, actions speak louder than words. And you know, I wish I could say this to you this morning in some other way. I, I said to you last week, you know, sometimes, sometimes preachers shy away from the thought of giving, <laughs> from preaching on giving. Well, I hope I never shy away from whatever's in God's Word. And I believe with all my heart, you know, we're not talking about you earning your salvation. We're talking about how that God has laid the foundation for how you can live that life that he's given to you. You know, he came not just to give you life, but to give it to you more abundantly. I don't, for a moment, <laughs> I don't even want to to go on, on, on the ideas on a lot of the things of, 
a lot of the prosperity teaching and all that that's, that's going on out there, but I do know this. I know without any shadow of a doubt that first of all, it always has to come from the heart. Two things that I know that God tells us that made these offerings acceptable and not acceptable was they were given by faith, they were given in love. Today, do we really believe God? Now, we're going to get to some more things. God willing, we'll try to bring this all to a close next week because we're going to look at a few other things to wrap this up. But what I'm wanting you to grasp and see is right from the very beginning of God. Right in the beginning, God. <laughs> right from the very foundation of everything that he laid and gave to us. With the very first family, God began with his act of giving. And it's with that very first family that we find the act of giving to God taking place. We find the foundation laid for many things that come after that this morning. Does he have first place in your life? <laughs> Do you know him? Do you know with absolute certainty because you can't give anything to him? Your relationship, remember, doesn't depend on your giving. But whether God accepts your offer will depend upon your relationship today. Know that you're in a relationship with him, that it's real, that it's genuine, that we're not talking about a bunch of rules and a bunch of legalistic stuff. We're talking about a relationship of love and believing God. We sang that hymn earlier, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word." <laughs> I want to simply say to you today that if you'll take God at his word, if you will operate by faith, believing what he says, out of the love in your heart, God will bless you so many times. Doesn't make sense to the world. <laughs> Never, ever will. But it makes sense to God. Father, this morning, you know the hearts of each one here. And Lord, we recognize that the greatest gift of all was the gift of your son. You gave us life in the first instance, but Lord, we destroyed that life when we chose sin. But Father, you sent your son to die the death that you could give us life everlasting. Lord, I pray that you'd just help us today, first of all, that everybody under the sound of this today would know with absolute certainty that they've accepted the gift of your son. They have humbled themselves and put their trust and faith in his finished work. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to know that with certainty. And then I pray, Lord, that beyond that, that you'd just... Help us to truly examine that relationship, that relationship, Lord, that so many times our giving, though it doesn't buy us any favors, it doesn't make us a better Christian, Lord, it does prove our love. And it does, Lord, rob us of many blessings if we don't. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us as we look at these two brothers not to be like the brother that walked in disobedience and unbelief, but the one that walked in faith and love. Help that. 
to be the focus of our Christian lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.